Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Pastor John Butcher Sr. and uh, hang out a little bit on Thursday and it's really good to, to see him and talk with him and, uh, and to hear and to see all the progress that's been made already. And so I tell you what, if I was ever in a situation like that, I would want to have a praying church like the Building Christian Fellowship uh, standing in the gap for me. And so certainly there's already miracles that have happened in his body. And so, and, and he's still a miracle in progress. And so we'll just continue praying and praying until he is 100% in every single area. Absolutely. Amen. Amen, amen. And certainly a shout out to Pastor Kaya. What a wife, what a pastor's wife, what, a, what you know, mom and the whole thing. A lot going on for her as well. And so continue to pray for her too, because she has certainly been a warrior and, uh, and, and a woman of faith throughout this entire situation. So and pray for their kids. And we're praying for all of you as well. And so in addition to what's going on globally and nationally, all of us still have things going on in our families. But we still need God to show up and to show out and to turn some things around, to bring healing, to bring deliverance, to bring salvation even. And certainly God is a God who is more than capable of doing just that. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I want to, to share a little bit uh, with you today. And uh, it's a message. I, I really struggled with, uh, with, with a title of, <laughs> for this message. And I'm sure it'll pop up in a few minutes when we talk about it. But it, it was... It was this message is mainly just uh, a message, I believe, just from the heart of God. Um, uh, it's just the Father's heart for his children uh, and the church, especially in the crazy time that we're living in right now. And so there's so much going on, and, and there, there, but there's a bigger picture. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Donald talk about, talked about an eye exam. He talked about the importance of having the right perspective and all the different things that can affect how we see and how we view things. And so I want to continue that in, a, in a, different, a different vein, but the same kind of concept. I think there's something that the Father is wanting to communicate to all of us uh, in his family, all of his children, that we'd be able to stand firm in the midst of all the craziness that, that's happening. And so uh, if, you're, if you're looking at, at social media, you're, you've seen a whole lot of stuff. Um, very little content is inspiring or encouraging. There's a whole lot of drama. There's a whole lot of, 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 of lies and, and, and misinformation and disinformation and real information. And, and now that we're in the midst of the 2020 presidential campaign, that's not only what I would say is the, the most important campaign of our nation's history, it's also a very important campaign for our world, right? Because whoever leads our country as president of the United States is not just leader in our country, but a leader in the entire world. So it's a very, very important, important election. And in the midst of the global pandemic that's happening and affecting nations all around the world, and in the midst of what's happening in our nation concerning this campaign, um, we, we all got things going on in our homes. We all got things going on in our lives and in our jobs. Like there's multiple layers of issues we could be concerned about. There's so much stuff and it can be very easy for us to be overwhelmed. It can be very easy for us to not know what's right from what's wrong. It can be very easy for us to not be able to discern what is really light 
and what is really darkness, it can be very easy for us. And one of the things that the enemy tries to do is to overwhelm us with stuff, to overwhelm us with junk, to overwhelm us with lies so that even the truth is hard to recognize. And so in the midst of this time and this season in, the, in, 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 our, in our world's history, the father has a plan for his kids. He has a plan for the world, but get this, his plan for the world will be, will be manifested through his kids through his children, through the church. And so if we get caught up in all this foolishness, then the whole world really is in trouble. We've got to stay focused. We've got to stand on what is true. We've got to stand on what unites us instead of fighting over what divides us. Okay, so, so here's the thing. I, 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 as, as I felt this, um, and, I, and there were temptations for me even and different things I've been posting on my, on my page and different comments and stuff. So I really tried to, be, to, be, to have an intentional effort to respond still out of love, to respond still out of, out of respect and out of honor, even with people who disagree with my position. I think we can do that. I think the power of the Holy Spirit helps us to be okay when others disagree. And if we're not okay, then that's the issue of spiritual immaturity that we've got to address, and that's on us, and that's not on them. So, so I, as, I, as I began to prepare for, uh, for today's message, there was a passage of Scripture that stood out to me, and I believe that this is the Father's message for all of us. And I'm not talking about the world right now. They're going to do what, they, what, they, what they're going to do. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about and to the children of God, because I believe this is a message he wants to share from his heart to yours in order for, for all of us to be able to have, have, have a clear focus and in, in, in order for all of us to have, have hearts that are pure and, and, and to, to be able to hear the voice of God clearly as he navigates us through such a crazy time. You, you and I, we can both agree that, man, stuff is just everybody is off the chain. Every, it's just craziness everywhere. But you and I, as people of God with the spirit of truth, we're not supposed to be shaken while everything else is being shaken. So everything that can be shaken will be shaken, including your faith, if it's possible. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, including your faith, if it is an, a shakable faith. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, including the unity in the body. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, including your prayer life and your trust in God. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. My question to you is, are you unshakable? Are you unshakable? Is your faith unshakable? Is your belief in the promises of God unshakable? Is your belief in the goodness of, of the Father unshakable? And so as we think about these questions, there are some words in John chapter 17, that are important for us to look at today. And in this particular passage of Scripture, this, this, the majority of this chapter, it, it's a prayer that Jesus prayed. Now, contrary to popular belief, the other, the other passage of Scripture where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, the passage that we oftentimes call the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, if you want to read the Lord's Prayer, look at John 17. That's Jesus actually praying himself to the Father. And he's coming near the end of his, of his three years of earthly ministry. He's coming to the end of the three years where he was, as it came to seek and to save those who were lost. He's coming to the end of his time where he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and, and, and preach a, a sight to the blind and, and deliverance for the captives. He, all this now is coming to an end in his earthly ministry. And now he's praying 
in John chapter 17, and he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for his followers. And this is the heart of Jesus as he is just pouring it out to the Father. We get a glimpse of what's going on inside of him. What are his concerns? What are the prayer requests of Jesus as he gets ready to conclude his earthly ministry, as he gets ready to go to the cross, be raised from the dead by the Father, and go back up to glory? What is on his mind concerning uh, his followers? What is Jesus praying about? Wouldn't you want to know? I would. And fortunately, this is one of the prayers that's been recorded for us. In John chapter 17, beginning at verse 15, it says this, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Think about what's riding on our unity. May they be one so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. You want to know what, what Jesus would pray about if we could ever get a glimpse of what he said in his prayer time? That's it. I pray that they be one, as you and I are one. It's interesting that as he frames, frames this particular prayer request, he, he begins by saying, I, I'm, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. The, the world is still going to be the world. I'm not, I'm not praying, Father, that you take them out of the world. I'm praying that you keep them safe from the evil one while they're still here. And so I want to talk about becoming the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Becoming the answer to Jesus' prayer. Jesus knew that our world is going to become worse and worse. Here we are 2,000 years after Jesus even said these words, and we still got a whole lot of craziness going on. In the context of the, the birth of the church, in the context of Jesus' ministry, the Christians were under 
tremendous persecution. From the, 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 the Jews were under Roman oppression, then the church gets birth, and now the, the church is trying to grow and spread the gospel still under Roman oppression. And not only Roman oppression, but then also Jewish oppression, because the Pharisees were certainly anti-gospel, anti-Jesus being the Messiah. They did not like it at all. So, so as the church is trying to, to, to share the gospel, and we see the Apostle Paul, one of the forerunners of that, as the church was beginning to grow, as the gospel began to spread from one city to the next, from one nation to the next, from one people group to the next, it was, listen to me carefully, y'all, it was not based. The, 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 the thriving of the church, the spread of the gospel, and the unity of the church was not based on favorable government circumstances. When, when Jesus said, I pray that they be one. I pray that they experience perfect unity. He said it specifically. I'm not praying just for these here with me now. I'm praying for everyone who's going to believe. The same Jesus that told his disciples to take the gospel into all the world, to make disciples into all the world, he knows that there are going to be Christians in all the world, which means there are going to be Christians in all kinds of nations with all kinds of governments. There'll be Christians under communism. There'll be Christians under democratic governments. There'll be Christians under dictatorships. There'll be Christians under totalitarianism. There'll be Christians under socialism. There'll be Christians under all kinds of governments. But I pray that they're one. They're, they're not any more of this world than I am. That's what he said. That's what he said. They're not any more of this world than I am. I pray that they be one. How can we be one? How can we be united with so many differences? How can we be united with so many different opinions? How can we be united with so many ethnicities, so many traditional backgrounds, so many socioeconomic statuses, so many different languages? How can Jesus expect us to be one when there are so many differences? How can we be united in the midst of so many differences? What is the truth? Jesus says that the truth is this. You and I can only be united with Christians all around the world based on Jesus himself and nothing else. We are trying to find unity around other opinions that don't even matter and that are going to always be differing. The thing that unites us, the common denominator, is Jesus Christ himself. The common denominator is the Father's love and how the Father has poured out his love on us through Jesus Christ, empowered us by his spirit. He saved us, washed us, forgave us, and gave us an inheritance that we cannot even earn on our own. That's what unites us no matter what ethnicity. That's what unites us no matter what background. That's what unites us. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the person of Jesus. It's the fatherhood of God himself. That's what unites us. We can't try to find unity trying to look at red or blue, Democrat or Republican. There is no unity there. We can't find unity just talking about pro-life and pro-choice. There is no unity there. Our unity is in the gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Stop trying to find unity in everything else in this world. Jesus says, I pray that you keep them. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. And we have been troubled by the evil one. We are not of this world. 
And the anxiety we have about this election, it, it highlights how much faith we have in a true government. How much faith we have that there's going to be a government full of people in the secular world that are going to make everything right for us here in America. We've been spoiled in America. We, we, we can't even imagine the idea that stuff might get crazy and go down and be bad here in America. But here's the reality. Christians have thrived for millennia in situations worse than whatever will happen in America. You know why? Because they've been united by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have nothing to fear no matter who is president because here's the deal. There's a big drama right now about casting your votes. How are we going to vote? Trump's trying to steal the election. Here's the If Trump wins the election, there's going to be accusation of voter fraud. If Biden steals a wins the election, there's going to be accusation that he, stole the, that he stole the election. Where are we supposed to be? What are we going to do? Here's the thing. You and I, we voted a long time ago, and it wasn't for president. We didn't vote with a ballot. We voted with our hearts, and we gave it to King Jesus. And as Jesus is king, it don't matter who's president or who's not president. The church will be okay as long as we fight to contain and maintain the oneness and unity of the spirit. That's our business. That's our business. Well, I don't care what evil is in the White House. I care what evil is in your house. We are the church. We are the church. Don't get caught up in all this foolishness. We're the church. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And it should be so clear that our hope is in Jesus Christ that the Bible says folks should be asking us why our hope is in Jesus Christ. But we're not communicating that right now on social media. We're communicating our hope in a government. We are being exposed right now how much faith we have in government. The church can make it without it. There's proof all over the world. There's proof all over the world. Sure, it can get tough, but we're made for that. Sure, there could be persecution that won't be avoided, but we're made for that. Doesn't matter what happens. If our hope is really in Christ, it doesn't matter what happens. But you will worry yourself to death, literally, if your hope is not in Christ. And that's what's being revealed right now. We can't even, we can't even comment on things without getting angry. When I, when I was um, growing up, one of the things that, the kind of movies I used to love watching, I still do, are the movies where you have some kind of a highly trained tactical team the SEAL teams, the Air Force Rangers, or I mean, all those kinds of teams. Uh, there's, there's some kind of mission, and sometimes the mission is not, is not something uh, whole, the, the countries would know, but there's some team that, that's been, hey, we got to go in here. We got somebody's been captured. Somebody's been, you know, that there's a doctor, they're holding a doctor, uh, one of our doctors, and we got to go in there and, and get them out, you know? And so this, this team of highly trained, highly skilled individuals, who've learned throughout their training to be united. They can't even function to accomplish a mission as a team if they're not united. And one of the things that always stood out to me is how well they communicate with each other. They can laugh and joke about, about each other's mamas and all that kind of stuff, but then when it came down to the mission, they were on it. I used to love the wit 
and their sarcasm, they're always quick thinkers. I just, I just love that. But the thing, there's a phrase that they say all the time when they're going through these different missions and whether it's going through like thick jungle and everything and, and it's dark and you can't see and they have these little communication devices on their neck and they press a the little thing, you know. All right, stand down, on the move. You know, all, this, all these hand gestures and stuff, right? I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. Man. But sometimes they had to communicate with each other when danger was right up on them. Sometimes there were scenes where there was just enough bush to be a thin veil curtain between them and an enemy soldier. And when there was impending danger coming, when the, uh, uh, the enemy's position was advancing and they had to hunker down and just be still till it passed, somebody who saw the danger first would say, danger close. They hit the little button, danger close. Those two words let everybody know, be quiet and be still. The enemy is much closer than we want him to be right now. If it wasn't for someone alerting the rest of the team to the proximity of the danger, somebody on the team could get killed or badly wounded because they didn't know how close danger was. I came from Roseville to tell you, danger close. Our hearts are in trouble. Our hearts are in trouble. Jesus made it very, very clear. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you, not what goes in. That out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. The words that come out of our mouths or onto our social media pages, they come out of our hearts. And there is a concern for our hearts. There is evidence that we have gotten caught up and how the world operates, that we've gotten caught up in how the world tries to smear each other and lie on each other, and, all, and we've gotten caught up in all that. Uh, we, we've had situations where, where, where long-time uh, relationships have, have ended uh, over discussions about the election. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. There's a, there, there's a story that Jesus shares as, as a parable, uh, because you might say, well, how... How did this happen? I posted a scripture yesterday about, um, from, from Paul, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 3, and talking about, guys, we gotta, we got to change the way that we're talking here. Like, this is not, this kind of language shouldn't be coming from us as Christians. Uh, what, what, what's happening? What's happening? And, uh, and some people began to respond, like, man, this was timely. I need to repent. That's right. We we need to repent if we've gotten caught up in all of this stuff. But how does this happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Jesus will let us know how it happens in John chapter, uh, excuse me, in, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a parable. And there's a lot I could unpack in this parable, but I just want to highlight this and then, then we'll, we'll move on. Matthew 13, verse 24 says this. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, 
The field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. These men were amazed because they said the farmer planted good seed, and now there's the wheat and the weeds. And they said, how did this happen? The farmer was discerning enough to say, an enemy has done this. Uh, this it wasn't you. You, you, didn't, you didn't grab the wrong bag of seeds and, and accidentally plant weeds. It wasn't you, and, and it wasn't me. Listen to me, guys. It wasn't you, and it wasn't me. There's a third party involved who's trying to hide behind the scenes who's responsible for the issue we're currently dealing with right now. An enemy has done this, and the church has got to be able to be discerning enough, even in the midst of a situation, a conversation, even in an argument, to be able to step back and say, you know what? This is not me, and this is not you. An enemy has done this. While we were sleeping, someone planted seeds that we did not plant. While we were sleeping, the enemy got away with something, and now we're experiencing the fruit of the involvement of the enemy. See, what happens when we do not recognize that an enemy has done this is that we don't give the proper responsibility to where responsibility is due. And if we don't identify the enemy that really did it, we'll identify each other as the enemy. Because the farmer could have said, I know good and well I planted good seed. One of y'all must have messed up. And the, and, and the workers could have said, no, we just planted the seeds that you gave us. Maybe you messed up. And so the farmers and the workers could have been arguing back together. But the farmer was discerning to say, it wasn't me and it wasn't you. An enemy has done this. And even in our relationships, if you and I are going to have true unity with each other, if it's going to be able to be shown in how we communicate with each other, how we love each other, honor each other, respect each other, even when we disagree, even when we have different passionate convictions, the way we do that is by recognizing that sometimes this stuff gets sour or goes south, an enemy has done this, and it wasn't you, and it wasn't me, but there was a third party at work here. And the more we're able to recognize the enemy, the more our relationships can still stay intact. Let me, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. There was a time where Jesus had been telling his disciples over and over that I'm going to be crucified on the cross. And there were times where, where Peter was, you know, uh, he was more outspoken of the disciples. And he said, no, that's not going to happen to you. That's not going to happen. Like Jesus just said, I'm about to go to the cross. And Peter's like, no, I, you know, you know you're not. I, okay, you're just, just going to call Jesus a liar. Like, that, that doesn't, that's not good. But what happened? Jesus said, Satan, I rebuke you. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now the words came out of Peter's mouth. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He said, because you are an offense to the things of God. Watch what happened. Because Jesus identified the words came from Satan, he was able to address the enemy while his relationship with Peter was still intact. That's what happened. But see, what, we'll, what we do, but see, you can't do that on social media posts. You're trying to look at somebody's words, and then you think, oh, 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 so you're just going to, oh, you just, oh, you, on my page, you just, oh, okay, okay. And then now we're, we're having the battle of the articles and the blogs and the posts and the videos. 
And I ain't recognizing it. me back there laughing. Y'all seen that happen, right? You have somebody, we play, played it back in the day as, as a game. Somebody's turning around and, and there's somebody standing over here and you walk them, you, you tap them and you move, move out of the way. And then they turn around thinking the other person did it. Now they got a fight going on, right? And you're like, <laughs> like that was a big, that, that, that's for real. It's happening right now in the church. And if we don't identify the workings of the enemy, even in the church, we're going to be fighting with each other, and the, and the prayer that Jesus prayed about us being one is going to go down the drain. But I am determined to be part of being the answer to Jesus' prayer, to fight for unity in the church, to fight for unity doesn't happen on accident. Unity doesn't happen unintentionally. Unity doesn't happen without an intentional effort to build it and maintain it and grow it and develop it. You and I have got to be, I want to encourage you, we got to fight for the unity in the church. So that's what Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Fight for unity in the church. So I'm encouraging you, even on social media, fight for unity in the church. Be a part of resolving these, 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 um, uh, these debates gone wrong on social media. Be a part of adding peace to those news feeds, adding peace to those posts, saying, hey, guys, let's talk. Direct message somebody and say, hey, I love you, and I know you love me, but what you just posted, that ain't, that ain't cool. Let, let, let's talk about that. Because that came from somewhere. It came in your heart. And so let me just whisper in your ear, danger close. Now, you are under a heart attack right now. There's a heart attack. I'm seeing, I'm seeing anger come out. I'm seeing rage come out. I'm seeing fear come out. I'm seeing anxiety come out. I'm seeing jealousy come out. I'm seeing hate come out. Danger close. Let me, let, let's talk for a little bit. Let, let's FaceTime or, or messenger fate. But we got to talk because danger is close and I don't want you to get hit. We got to fight for unity in the church. Doesn't matter who wins the election. There are different implications of whoever wins the election, but our hope is not based on that. Our faith is not based on that, and the survival of the church is not based on that. The church thrives under stricter government. We have a problem because they closed the building. We all up in arms. If we're in community, that wouldn't matter. I'm talking about the real church. One of the things Pastor John said was I was visiting with him. That he was amazed at how well you all were taking care of each other in the midst of all this stuff. How outside of, of, of the organized uh, ministries and plans, outside of that, just as people taking care of each other, calling to see how each other was doing, I just want you to know that blessed your pastor's heart to see that and to hear story after story about how you all are taking care of each other. I mean, th this is why small groups matter. This is why small groups are a big deal, right? <laughs> this is why small groups matter. We've been saying over and over and over that this is, Jay said it today, this, this is the building because that's, that's all it is, it's just a building. Not being able to come to a building should not disrupt the authentic expression of Christianity. But it will highly disrupt when we try to build something else. I love being able to gather by the hundreds. But not being able to gather by the hundreds, that doesn't affect the mission. 
the mission of Jesus still goes forward as you and I, as fellow believers, are carrying the gospel wherever we go. Wherever we go, as we're discipling people, wherever we go. So, yeah, there is a shift. Sure, I love to see the day we come back together and, and we can do all that. But don't think that, 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 that God's plan of advancing the kingdom has just all been out of shape and all out of whack because we can't be in the building. No, no we, we can still love each other. We can still do, it ain't, the, it ain't the same, I understand that, but we can still love each other, encourage each other, pray for each other. We can still be praying for healing and folks get healed on the other side of the screen. Come on now. That, 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 the, the power of the Holy Spirit has not been stopped. It has not been stopped. Let me um, kind of move towards a conclusion here as we, I think I got till three, so I'm going to try to summarize this a little bit. I, I want you to, to think about God's heart for his people all across the world. The reason why he sent Jesus is not so we can have thriving businesses. The reason why he sent Jesus is not so we can have a booming economy. A booming economy is great. Thriving businesses are great. But the reason why the Father sent Jesus is because we were separated from him because of sin. And Jesus is the only way back to the Father. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Father's focus. Sinners who still need to be saved and his children who still need to be matured. That is his focus. I guarantee you that God the Father is not worried about our presidential election. And if he's not worried about it, neither should we. So what should we do then? What should we do? It's not that we neglect what's going on in our country. It's not that we neglect it. But what we can do is make sure that we don't get caught up in all the name calling. That we don't get caught up in the biggest smear campaign ever. There's about to be some serious mudslinging going on in our country, and, and we should not have our hands muddy. From a gospel perspective, both President Trump and Vice President Biden have sinned, and they need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Both of them have messed up. Both of them have had their issues with, uh, their, with things that they said and things that they've done concerning women. Both of them have their issues with things that they said and things that they've done concerning race. Both of them. And our world is going to try to persuade you by throwing and highlighting the weaknesses of the other. Think about that. Think about that. They want to try to get your vote by saying, look at this person's sin. Look at this person's sin. No, this person's sin is worse than that person's. No, look at what their sin. Look at this video. Look what they said in 1985. Look what they said. <laughs> right? Listen, y'all, that's not how we make decisions. That's not how we make decisions. There's, there, there's corruption on both sides. There's sin on both sides. There are problems on both sides. There are, there are scriptural issues uh, and, and positions that they have that scripture supports on both sides. There are issues that are valuable to Christians on both sides. You cannot say 
if you vote for Trump, you're not Christian. If you vote for Biden, you're not Christian. Our Christianity is not based on presidential candidates. It's based on Jesus. And each of us are entitled to have our own opinion based on the things I'm going to tell you even now. So number one, don't get caught up on all the Muslim research. Do your own research. It's clear that mainstream media, no matter what, what station you listen to, it's going to have its own bent. Do your own research. Look at the candidates and their, their platforms, their websites. Read their positions on certain issues. Look at the things that matter to you most, the things that you believe are a Christian perspective on issue A or issue B. And then you need to, so do your research, and then you need to pray. You need to ask for God's guidance. And, and James, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give you wisdom. You need to pray, and then you need to discern what he's saying to you. Discern what it is. But don't get caught up thinking that the whole election is going to be based on your news feed. It ain't. Don't think you're going to post something that's going to change the fate of, the, of America. It, it's not. All right, social media is not the place to try to transform other people's way of thinking. You can share your ideas. You can share your opinion and let folks disagree. But let's not get caught up in all the name calling, all the labeling, all the mudslinging, lest we become Pharisees without knowing it. The Pharisees opposed Jesus because Jesus had a message about love, and they stood back with their noses in the air, with their arms crossed, saying, Jesus, you're, you're violating the rules. We are righteous, and you are not. You're violating the rules. And they, 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 they put themselves in a position of righteousness where they can point out other people's faults. And that's what this campaign is trying to do, even to Christians. Even in the church, we cannot get caught up in that. We cannot get caught up in who is the most evil, least evil. We can't, that's not how we make decisions. That's not how the Father makes decisions concerning us, and that's not how we make decisions concerning anyone else, especially concerning leaders that we're trying to vote for in our, in our election. So, so, so do your own research, and then pray, and then discern what it is God is leading you to do. And after you discern, then make sure that you vote. Make sure that you vote to have your voice heard. Make sure that you vote. And you can say, well, we can't vote in person because it's going to be dangerous because of the pandemic. No, no, even Dr. Fauci said it's okay to vote in person as long as all the precautions are taken, are taken, uh, uh, taken care of. Just like when you're, when you're going, going shopping, you're standing six feet apart, you got your mask on, all that. So even Dr. Fauci said it's okay to vote in person. So just vote. Just vote. Yeah, there's drama with the postal service. I, don't worry about it. You vote. You vote. Research. Pray. Discern, vote, and along the way, fight for the unity of the church. Along the way, guard your heart from the garbage. Guard your heart from foolishness. Guard your heart. Watch what you're taking in, your eyes and your ears. Guard your heart. For the most part, you, are, you probably already know who you're going to vote for. You probably already know. So you don't need a daily, a daily update on the campaign. You don't need to find out who did what, who said what. You don't need to, no, no, you probably already know. And, and, and if God tells you how, how you should vote based on how you want your beliefs and your conviction, then, if, then whatever God tells you, then it doesn't matter who does what. You vote the way you need to vote as an American, but also as a Christian. And don't argue with another Christian who votes another way. Don't argue. Fight for a unity in the church. And you trust our nation to God. You trust our government to God. You trust the church to God. But we fight for unity. 
So don't get caught up in the gossip. I'm going to tell you when to get caught up. But right now, don't get caught up in the gossip. Don't get caught up in the slander. Don't get caught up in the sin. Don't get caught up in the finger pointing. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in losing relationships over differing political opinions. Seriously? Don't get caught up in the hate. Don't get caught up in the fear. Don't get caught up in the anxiety. Don't get caught up in the worry. Don't get caught up. But if you want to get caught up, I'll tell you where to get caught up. And I'll close with this last verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, and it will be done. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be, what? Caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There we will be with him forever. So if you want to get caught up, that's the time to get caught up. Don't get caught up in foolishness. Get caught up when Jesus comes back. Get caught up when that trumpet sounds. Get caught up when he comes in all his glory to set everything right. That's when you want to get caught up. Don't get caught up on social media. Get caught up when the king returns. Don't get caught up in stupid arguments. Get caught up when his glory appears and the trumpet sounds. Make sure you're standing on the right side of the line. That's when you want to get caught up. Until then, don't get caught up. And all this other stuff. Guard your heart. Research, pray, discern, guard your heart, fight for unity, and make sure you vote. That's how we become the answer to Jesus' prayer. God bless you, Building Christian Fellowship, and all those of you tuning in from all over the place. I just believe this is God's message for his church today. Watch our hearts. Watch what we say. And if you feel like you need to repent from things that you've said and done, you know the throne of God is always open. You can always come to him and say, Father, I've been tripping. Get it out of my heart. Get it out of my heart. I want to be a part of Jesus' answered prayer. I want to be part of uniting the church, fighting for the unity of the church. And even loving those and forgiving those who disagree, we can still do it and honor Christ. The gospel, a premise of the gospel, is unity in the midst of diversity. There's no Jew or Greek, male or female, bond or free, in all ethnicities, all languages, every nation. John said, I saw a number no man could count, and they were from all over the place. <laughs> but they were united. That only comes by the Spirit, through the truth of the gospel. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I pray that they be one as we are one, Jesus said. Let us experience perfect unity so that the world will know that God sent Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.